0: So our scripture today is taken from two texts in the New Testament. The first, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, the first chapter beginning at the first verse, and we're going to be reading and preaching over these next four weeks through this great letter of Paul to the Philippians. This week we'll look at part of Philippians 1, next week Philippians 2, Philippians 3, Philippians 4, the following two weeks. And uh, through it, we'll be focusing on a new part of our journey. We have been looking at different segments of the journey, and we just finished up looking at the journey in other people's shoes. And in anticipation of our life life, Love Life Celebrate uh, Sunday coming up on February the 23rd, we're going to be taking a look this week, this month, at uh, the Journey to Joy. And as we anticipate making our pledges at the end of the month, and as we anticipate this invitation for God, that God gives us to be at work in the world, and to using our gifts in all sorts of ways, and knowing that in that we find our joy, we'll be looking at this theme of Journey to Joy this month as we look at the different... uh, chapters of the letter to the Philippians, which has been referred to as the letter of joy that Paul speaks about throughout the course of that letter. So our first lesson, as I mentioned, is from the first chapter beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Then our second lesson comes from the Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. beginning again at the first verse. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he began to teach them many things and parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it sprung up quickly since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a fold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear. Listen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, it's Groundhog Day, that day that everybody awaits the ironclad prophecy of Punxsutawney Phil. The ceremonial groundhog who comes out of his hole in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and either sees his shadow or does not see his shadow. If he sees his shadow, meaning that there is sun in the sky, then the counterintuitive prediction is that winter is still six weeks away. If it's a cloudy day in Punxsutawney Field, doesn't see his shadow, then it means, of course, that spring is right around the corner living my first few years of life in western Pennsylvania and then Michigan and then going back to Pennsylvania for college that used to mean something the coming of spring I'm not sure exactly what it means down here except that soon it's going to get really hot again (laughs) apparently Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow this morning so that means the spring is right around the corner somewhere (laughs) but we know enough not to take the groundhog's early morning sighting very seriously. What will be, will be. Which may be a little bit of what that movie Groundhog Day was trying to say. Most of us know that story. TV weatherman Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, is sent like he is every year from Pittsburgh up to Punxsutawney to cover the big groundhog event. He's sick and tired of doing it. The whole thing is kind of silly to him. And then when the whole thing is over, he's just happy to get out of town and return to Pittsburgh. But a snowstorm strands him in Punxsutawney, and Phil goes to bed looking forward to hopefully the next day when he can get out of town. But the next day never comes. Phil wakes up to Sonny and shares, I've got you, babe, like he did the day before. And the exact same events of the day repeat themselves. Phil is caught in a time loop the same thing keeps happening every day no matter what Phil does to try to change things the next day it's Groundhog Day all over again no matter what Phil does to do that he can't change the course of events every morning is the same old thing I've got you babe (laughs) kind of like Punxsutawney Phil shadow or no shadow spring is going to come when spring is going to come not much we can do to change the course of events Today also is Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday when America sort of shuts down in the afternoon and evening and Super Bowl parties are hosted in family rooms across the country and we finish up listening to all that hype we've been subjected to over the past two weeks and we wonder how good will the commercials be and we throw our couple dollars in the betting pool and then wait to see who comes out on top. Today marks the second time in the history of the Super Bowl that it lands on Groundhog Day. That seems kind of hard to believe. So allow me to be my own Punxsutawney Phil and predict for you a sizable Kansas City Chief Victory. (laughs) You can take that to the bank, (laughs) along with all my other predictions. So maybe it's appropriate that the Super Bowl gets played on Groundhog Day, because no matter what the prediction, no matter what the hype, no matter how clever the commercials, no matter how good the guacamole dip might be, Monday morning will roll around sooner than we want, and the world will feel the same. Not much will have changed. Life will return to normal. The newspaper will have its same headlines. Tamiami Trail will still have traffic. Siesta Beach will still not have parking spaces. Politicians will still be yakking. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Not much we can do about that, it seems. I suppose in the same kind of way, Jesus was a predictor of things when he told us the story of the sower and the seed. Not an unfamiliar story, I suspect, to many of us. A farmer goes out to sow some seed, and he ends up throwing it, everywhere. He is a broadcast spreader. He doesn't take into account that there are different kinds of soil that have their own predictors of success. The rocky soil is shallow, won't permit roots for growth. The thorny soil has those darn thistles that end up choking the plant. The, the path won't even let the seed under the surface and the birds just come and eat it up. Only the good soil, the cultivated soil, is given any chance for meaningful growth. That's just the way it is is a story told over and over again rocky soil thorny soil hard crusted soil just not much chance of anything happening in those soils so it's curious in the story that the farmer keeps throwing the seed all over the place he keeps throwing the seed on the bad soil you think the farmer would get a little smarter and start beginning being a little bit more discriminating in his sowing. Chances are so little that anything is going to be happening in those bad soils. Why not save your seed and focus on the best prospects? Why not concentrate on the good soil? But there he goes again. Like another Groundhog Day, throwing that good seed after that bad soil. Which may be a part of the point of the story that God is this indiscriminate farmer because God has this crazy hope that maybe tomorrow will be different. God has this crazy hope that though the seed lands on that less than hopeful soil, maybe something different's gonna happen. That somehow, something's gonna happen that lets those roots grow deep, that keeps those thorns away, that presses that seed under the surface. Some other external circumstance might occur that might make this crazy hope turn into a reality, that no matter what the soil, the good seed is somehow going to germinate. Which I suppose is where you and I come in Because there's something about this farmer's crazy planting strategy that begs an invitation. And the invitation, I suppose, is that we might try to share a little bit in the hope of the farmer. That we might look at every soil that has everything going against it and wonder if maybe things can be different. That roses can grow in rock, that daisies can rise amidst thorns, that geraniums can appear out of hard, crusty dirt. That we have a part to play, perhaps, in this crazy plan of the farmer. That the farmer indiscriminately broadcasts his seed, and then he waits for us to do something about it. Like the story of the uh, abandoned field in the middle of a city that a neighbor decided to claim as her little project. So every day she makes her way to this abandoned field to do some work. First it's clearing away all the junk and the trash that's gathered there, and then it's raking the stones away. Then it's weeding. Then it's tilling. Then it's planting. Then it's watering. Then it's fertilizing. Then it's seeing the flowers emerge up from the ground. Then it's, then it's pr- pruning and fertilizing over and over and over, and one day finally a man walks by and sees her working there amidst this lush, now lush garden, he calls out, that's some garden that you and God have created. And the woman replied, yeah, well, you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. <laughs> so the farmer keeps throwing her seed and says to you and me that tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as today, that roses can grow in rock, daisies amidst thorns, geraniums out of crusty dirt. Which I wonder if it isn't a little of what Paul talks about when he invites the Philippians to produce a harvest of righteousness. This is my prayer, he says, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. God seems so intent on this harvest of righteousness, and we, who know the teachings of Jesus enough, know that the harvest is always found in in the soil of other people that our love may overflow more and more into other people and Paul says that's where the joy is the joy is in working the soil not giving up on any kind of ground God keeps casting the seed and God says hey give me a hand I want this seed to grow everywhere i have thrown it because the truth is somehow some way the seed found its way inside of us god knows how we can be fairly confident that we were not such good soil to begin with lots of rock thorns and crust in us still perhaps some of that underneath the surface but to whatever extent the seed took root And grew in us, and I'm sure it had a lot to do with some folks in our lives that didn't give up on us. That saw that the seed somewhere around us and within us was something that could be nurtured. And I say to myself, thank God for those who cleared the rocks in me, tilled the crust in me, removed the thorns in me, watered the seed in me and joined God in that glorious hope that something might emerge. My life is littered with such people, people who saw what little prospect I had and loved me still. Youth advisors, teachers, friends, camp counselors, pastors, the list goes on and on. And I suppose they did it because, as maddening as it must have been to to work with me, they knew that the joy was in the harvest what little harvest that has been found in me a buddy of mine tells a story of a really bad season in his life he had run off the rails due to some unaddressed issues that stem from his childhood he was making a mess of himself and of his family and of his marriage With each passing day, his soil got rockier and harder and thornier. And then he told me he had a friend back then who was well aware of this mess he was making, but for whatever reason, about once a month, he would call him up, this friend of his, and ask him to breakfast. And for whatever reason, he accepted And once a month the two would meet for breakfast and they would talk sometimes about the mess he was making and sometimes they didn't talk about that at all. But every month he could count on that friend calling him and asking him to breakfast. And each time after the bill got paid, the friend would say as they were parting for their cars, Tom, he'd say, just never forget, I love you. And then finally came that morning when Tom actually heard what he was saying, actually heard the I love you. And the rocks and the crust and the thorn of his soil began to give way to that little seed of I love you. And tomorrow turned out different than today, for from there it was to therapy, and then to a support group, and to church, and to confession, and to healing, and to, of all places, seminary, the slowly emerging harvest of righteousness. When I heard that story, And when I think of it even today, I wonder about that friend. The one who stepped into the rocky, thorny, weed-infested, junk-filled garden. And with a lot of hope and a little bit of love, worked the soil. Rolling up the sleeves and not leaving God to tend it all by himself. This, Paul says is what joy is about. You know, in that Groundhog Day movie, the only thing that got the day to change was when Phil, the weatherman, changed himself. And then tomorrow, turned into something different than today. I suppose that's what the farmer's waiting for, as he casts his seed. For someone changed enough to come along with a lot of hope and a little bit of love to coax the seed along.